My fellow Americans, I come before you tonight and as a man whose honesty and, te- and integrity has been questioned. I have a theory too, that the best and only answer to an honest misunderstanding of the facts is to tell the truth. And that's why I'm here tonight. I want to tell you my side of the case. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm here with my co-hosts, Cody and Colin. How are you guys doing? Good, real good. All right. Cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what you guys are listening to now, by the way, is the Fireside Chat. It's our little uh, mini episodes that we're going to take some time, correct all the stupid stuff we said in the main episode, and uh, determine a winner. So these are a little bit more like relaxed. They're a little bit calmer. They're a little bit nicer. We're not going to be spinning out as much history as we do in the main episode, but they still will have a lot of good good points of knowledge in there yeah we're we're revamping our point system we just the points still mean nothing yeah that, that needs to be clear the points still mean absolutely nothing but we figured that <laughs> we're still just making it up as we go along but in a more structured organized way exactly yeah and and, and here's how it's going to work uh, so there's going to be four different categories each debaters will be assessed with uh in each of these categories we're going to award an unlimited number of tallies to the, the category uh and the debater with the most amount of tallies in a particular category will be given the point for that category. Um, And just to list off the categories, it's going to be one point for the least amount of errors, uh, one point for the most interesting history, one point for the most prepared, and two points for the most convincing argument. So yeah, without further ado, let's uh, lean back in our armchairs and uh, chat about the episode. Um, Last time, we had a pretty interesting episode, uh, which is, what if Jack the Ripper, instead of committing murders turned his attention to his philanthropy. Hard-hitting questions here at the podcast. <laughs> Every <laughs> single time. It, it, we, we, I don't know if they give out Nobel Peace Prizes for uh, podcasting, but I think we should uh, we should sign up for one of those. Uh, so let's start this with Colin. Colin, what, what mistakes did you make in the last podcast? Well, I just want to start out with saying I got nothing wrong. Uh, I gave a perfect explanation uh, from a perfect vessel. So, but... I, I guess some of our editors suggested that I may have misled, misdirected, even if it means I wasn't wrong per se. <laughs> uh, you know, one of one of our fact checkers, I, I had said that John D. Rockefeller was the richest man from history, and that's true mm-hmm. depending on the source that you used. Our fact checker said, "Well, many sources list uh, Jacob Fuger." A German banker as the richest man from history, depending on how you calculate current wealth. And that's excluding all of the leaders of emper- of empires and stuff like that. So Yeah, but I never heard of Fugger. So basically exactly. I don't really care about this He's guy. also got, not American, so it like it kind yeah. of is like American exceptionalism. <laughs> I, yeah. I really... That that's the big thing, yeah. That's the that's the big one. So Okay. It's like those years when uh, Carlos Slim took over as the richest man in history. It's like, yeah, we just, yeah, but who is he, you know, (laughs) way richer than me. (laughs) Uh, All right. So that's the big one. I think the other, the other major area where I wanted to clarify was I made the claim that government and private entities aren't good at distribution. And it's a bit misleading for a couple of reasons, but I, I wanted to clarify it here in the fireside chat. Uh, The truth is that command economies fail because they aren't good at figuring out how many oranges Joe Nobody from Alabama needs compared to Sally Somebody from New York, 
Right. So that's so that's why governments struggle. They know that both Sally and Joe need oranges, just not how many they need. Private entities, on the other hand, like philanthropists, are good at figuring out that Joe nobody needs oranges and probably how many oranges Joe needs. But they're terrible at recognizing that Sally somebody also needs oranges. So those are kind of two fundamental distinctions that I think are important in determining, you know, why either of these people could fail at distribution uh, in different ways. And in my opinion, I think that acknowledging that everybody needs some oranges is a better way of distributing than only giving it to Joe or giving it to this particular person. Hmm. So that's that's the majority of what I got wrong in the episode. And, of course, I didn't acknowledge that philanthropy and charity is a good thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's debatable, <laughs> <No>. you know. <laughs> that, hurts, that hurts your overall argument of philanthropy doesn't work and it's bad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so is that is that all you got then, Colin? Any other things uh, wrong or is it? That's now, that, I, I think that sums it up quite nicely. I... I I, I know we don't really care about pronunciations. Technically, it's Ar- Andrew Carnegie, Carnegie and not Andrew Carnegie, but I will say Carnegie. I, I refuse uh, ten times that. Ten. Whoever says Carnegie, yeah. is, yeah. I feel like they're wrong, even though I'm clearly wrong with that, but I'm still going to call <laughs> I, them wrong I also, uh, I for that. Um, so that seems like about like one, one and a half things you kind of got wrong there. So, and then with a the mispronunciation, throw that up to like, I don't know, maybe 1.75 uh, tallies against you. Cody... What'd you get wrong besides uh, defending serial killers? <laughs> well, I'll maintain that that wasn't wrong. I was perfectly justified for doing that. <laughs> I outlined a well-reasoned argument. Um, however, in the pursuit of that uh, extremely well-reasoned argument, I do claim that Batman has lots of money, but instead chooses to make a difference by vigilante justice. And this is incorrect. He does both vigilante justice and donates his uh, immense wealth. Canonically, he has two charitable oh. foundations. The Martha Wayne Foundation helps at-risk youths, and the Thomas mm-hmm. Wayne Foundation focuses on medical research and expense relief for families. So both are some of the largest foundations in the DCU, both funded by Batman himself. I feel like there might be some overlap in his clientele between the uh, help uh, the at-risk youths and the people he beats the shit out of. Um, it, uh, I don't know if he sees them or not. Like again, like, oh, I'll get you next time. I didn't beat you enough. Same thing with the uh, relief for families as well. It's like, is that for all like the damage he's done to Gotham by blowing up different things and the different destructions? Uh, it might. It might be. It might be. Um, I also make the claim that the police learn not to interfere with crime scenes as a result of the Ripper spree, and this is patently not true. Um, they they actually do not learn their lesson at, at, at all from this. Uh, leaving crime scenes alone doesn't start until the early 1900s. Uh, it isn't clear when it becomes common in practice to me, but um, from what I read... Um, it looks like it, it might not start until as late as the mid-1970s, at least in America, uh, since the federal <sighs> rules of evidence are passed that holds um, the kind of evidence that's allowable in court to a higher standard. Like, it can't be tampered with by cops. That's... I, I have no idea how we ever called a serial killer before, like, any type of, like, evidence or anything came out. Like, that's... It, it seems like it would be so easy to get away with uh, murder before the 1970s. It does. I, I, You know, it seems like this is the kind of episode where we fact check stuff beforehand and deliver. But to offer another question here, it would be interesting <laughs> to find out what the crime solving rate is pre and post modern. Yeah. 
times. All gut feelings. Yeah. I oddly enough, that was the only part of your argument that I liked from last time. So I'm whoops. I gotta retroactively <laughs> take points away from you if I was the host. Um uh okay, so uh, along the same lines, the other portion of that argument was that some of the forensic sciences start as a result of the Ripper Spree. Um, one of those I, I claimed was forensic linguistics, and that, uh, from what I can tell, is an absolute lie. Um, the article that I read um, said that that an early version of it came from this, but a- after the episode I did some research, and from what I could tell, that term wasn't even invented or used until 1968. So that's probably, whatever Ripper article I was reading probably fabricated that one. So a good chunk of your argument that was talking about how the serial killers help expand, like, police uh, work was more or less, you know, wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It was bunk. Ah, uh, good, 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 good. <laughs> that Excellent. that's gonna hold up well for your argument. Uh, so I'm gonna. I know you said probably like three things uh, that you did wrong. Yeah, uh, you got wrong. But I'm just gonna give you negative ten. Uh, for <laughs> that just works. Like, yeah. the structure yeah, of your argument is basically fair. gone uh, from that. So <laughs> this this point goes to Colin for the least amount of errors. So good first point in the new system. Yeah. Love it's it. A big day, big day for you, Colin. It's the first thing you ever won. Oh, so the next point we're giving out to is for your the section that we found the most interesting. Uh, I'm going to start with Cowan's uh, section. Uh, I learned a lot in Cowan's section, primarily about like the, the use of philanthropy and the difference between like philanthropy and uh, uh, government handouts uh, or, or communism, as I like to call it. Um, so it, it was fun <laughs> learning the differences and like what is more usable, what's not, because I always get like, it, it makes me feel like I now actually have reason I could tell Target to fuck off when I'm at their uh, checkout line and it asks me the little thing like, oh, can you give me like $5 for charity? Like, no, that's just a tax write-off, guys. Like, this is, I'm not being scammed anymore. And I can start yelling at the monitor that the, you know, the the the, the self-checkout <laughs> and nobody could look at me weird anymore because I'm just screaming at it by myself. Yeah, famously, cashiers <laughs> love it when you yell at them about them asking for charity. Uh, that's why I'm doing it to the self, the self checkout one. You know, I, I, I'm polite enough. As soon as a, an actual worker came by, I would immediately like, you know, I'm too shy for that. I would turn my eyes and walk away. And just take my money. Just, yeah, just, I'm just sorry. don't make me I'm feel sorry. bad. <laughs> yeah, no confrontation. No, conf- no, no confrontation. Please, please. Uh, but yeah, I, I learned that uh, in in Cody uh, Collins. I also learned a lot about basketball and how uh, Colin is as a as a coach. Uh, yeah. which was awful. Uh, so, yeah, shitty. Uh, that that was that was fun. Um, but yeah, and I also learned uh, a little bit about uh Bill Gates causing COVID. So that was probably some more uh, interesting history. Oh, you know what? That's the other thing. Actually, our fact checkers did say that he didn't invent COVID nineteen. Uh, I I questioned their research, but they assure me that he did. We'll put that up and do your own research tab. That's that's a do your yeah, research. Yeah. We don't know. Jury's still out right there, so hopefully we can figure it out. I know, even if he didn't cause it, he's definitely trying to microchip you. That's true. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, and Cody's history, uh, what's fun about Cody's section is that now after doing the wrong shit, I've learned nothing from his, his <laughs> Is that it's devoid of I, anything I, worthwhile. <laughs> I, I've had negative, I negative learned from, from Cody's section. Uh, so that's, that's fun. Uh, cause Cody, you basically just had a lot of like the, the same, it, it's more or less the same history. I did learn about Batman there. So that, that was interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. More or less, we just heard a sociopath's take on why serial killers are good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, 
rather than learning about history, I learned a lot about you, Cody. <laughs> and I'm not comfortable <laughs> around you anymore. Uh, so negative 5,000 points for Cody uh, mm. again on this section. <laughs> and then... Wow, this section is about awarding points. And Cody, you just lost <laughs> them. I'm losing them. <laughs> yeah. We're great at these things. Uh, so I'm going to give uh, uh, Colin. You're going to get a, a, a plus one point uh, for this one. So another another big one for Colin out here. Good, I good re- job, Colin. I really appreciate that this was supposed to be a, a very structured segment. And I've so far <laughs> had seven points erroneously added to one <laughs> section. I got negative a thousand in the other. <laughs> Well, the, the, we could give out tallies. It's tallies are you know for their free their free real estate. It's the it's the points that matter. It's the real points that matter. Uh, and Cody, I'm the judge right now, so you better watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I have any hope of coming person. back to win this thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's kind of weird because I thought like I asked you guys if one of these uh, uh, points categories could be compliments to the uh, judge, and you guys didn't actually write that down for some reason, <laughs> which is kind of weird for me because I thought that was sho- the shoo-in. Uh, Okay, so so the next part about this is uh, one point for the most prepared. So what we're going to do in this section is I'm going to ask a couple couple follow up questions uh, about each other's uh, histories. So my my uh, question for you, Cody, is was Jack the Ripper the first serial killer? Uh, actually, no, uh, and not even by a long shot. Jack the Ripper is more like the 90th or so serial killer recorded in, in <laughs> history. Unless you count serial killer teams as separate killers, then he's closer to like the 250th range. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He huh. he is one of the first serial killers who evaded identification through history, um, coming after only the servant girl annihilator and the Thames torso murder. Um, <laughs> I've seen that what, film before. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. wait. Oh, let me clarify that. So they are you saying that they usually caught serial killers, or they just said that they caught serial killers and they just fried some random dude who they think was <laughs> well I, um a little bit of a, a little bit of both uh, actually um one of the things that makes catching serial killers easier um uh, when you go back to like 1800s and especially way further back like to roman times um and before any kind of modern conveniences is people just didn't move as far so like serial mm. killers tended to be like their family and like their neighbors and it's like i wonder who the last living guy covered in blood <laughs> i wonder what he did kind of thing so in some ways okay. it was easier because there was just less travel less people too okay yeah. okay um anyway the first the first serial killer recorded was actually a group of women in rome who organized a poisoning ring and killed several roman men uh, two of the women who were arrested claimed that they were just making medicine and offered openly to drink it themselves to prove that they weren't doing anything wrong everyone took them up on the, the deal they were like yeah go ahead they Called drank the it and they died immediately the poison was so strong <laughs> that they died in front of the people at the trial oh my god um most of the other early serial killers are either kings or nobles and i don't really count that because they could kind of just do it out in the open and nobody could do anything about it so from what i could tell if we're looking for the first solo serial killer who isn't a noble that is the werewolf of bedberg Ooh, badass that's a cool name Hmm. okay that so that's interesting thanks thanks for running through that cody Mm mm-hmm uh, so, so Colin, uh, my question for you is, since you hate charity so much, uh, are there any particular yeah. charity scandals that you know of that you could, like, bring us through? Yeah, I, so, I, I did, I looked through a couple of 
charity scandals before the episode and was weighing whether, you know, I wanted to include him or not. And there was one who the, a billionaire and I, I, I forget his name, but he ran a foundation for over 30 years mm. that had been found to commit the following crimes when it was finally shut down, mm. when it was finally dissolved. Uh, they had a failure to make pledge donations to 9-11 funds. <laughs> <laughs> Starting up bad. Okay. They, they reported donating $6 million to veterans' causes, but the actual amount donated was less than $3 million. Oh, oh. God. So 9-11 and veterans being besmirched right away. They used foundations' money to settle personal legal settlements at least $150,000 plus. <laughs> Um, over $2.3 million in personal income was deposited through the foundation and, um, in order to avoid income taxes. Jeez. Oh, my God. And hundreds of thousands of dollars from the foundation was used towards a political purpose for a presidential. Oh, you know what? It was, it was Donald Trump's foundation. <laughs> yeah, it was the Trump foundation. No! <laughs> oh, my God. And, okay. And in fairness... The list of actual charges against this foundation is at least three times that list that I just ran. It's it's hugely extensive. Oh my god! Well, and that and that's also part of the issue with with charity scandals is it's a little bit hard to get into the weeds because it's all financial crime. Yeah, the best type of crime. That's but, no, well, I'm happy. I, I don't think it's he's he's going to go nowhere. It's fine, you know. He's he's, he's a little blip. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh... Well, by the time this episode comes out... Yeah, by the I time mean, this episode he's... comes out, man. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're... The other thing you talked about, uh, Colin, is that you, uh, talked about a couple different, uh, famous evil philanthropists. Um... Yeah. Who would win in a six-way brawl between the people you talked about, which is, like, uh, John D. Rockefeller, uh, a uh, Andrew Carnegie, Jeffrey Epstein, David Koch, uh, Bill Gates, Harvey Weinstein, and Michael Pearson? All right, so I'm going to have to take some liberties with this rumble of a fight. Um, I kind of got to choose at what point in their lives yeah. uh, they enter the fight. Um, and so I'm just going to kind of choose when they're in the media the most or when they're in the news. And so Harvey Weinstein would kind of be all shaky and shit as he was uh, approaching the fight. He'd likely trip and die on his way into the ring. <laughs> so then the, then the real fight begins. <laughs> Uh, Epstein would see Andrew Andrew Carnegie step into the ring. Uh, Epstein would probably piss his pants, and he'd probably hang himself before the fight started <laughs> out of fear of seeing Andrew Carnegie. Uh, no one would actually see him hang himself, though, so rumor has it that Carnegie just willed him out of existence. <laughs> okay, apparently I didn't know this when I included him in the episode, and I probably wouldn't have included him in the original episode if, had I known this, but I did. So apparently David Koch is dead already, oh. which I didn't know. Um, so everyone assumes that he just forgot about the fight, but it turns out he actually died a long time ago before he even started. John D. Rockefeller and Bill Gates are both, uh, pretty scrawny dudes. They're more intellectuals. So Carnegie would give him the old one-two knockout with a steel chair. And, uh, and neither Pearson nor Carnegie probably believe in COVID. So Gates's COVID ray gun doesn't help them in this case. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Pearson has a clear size advantage over Carnegie, like by a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, but and Pearson is a pretty big guy. But Pearson was also born in relative privilege in Canada, whereas Carnegie was born in poverty in Scotland and worked twelve-hour days at the mill from the time that he was thirteen. He moved to the U.S. at age twelve. He's a man's man. Yeah. So I mean, a Canadian, 
Scottish mill worker. <laughs> Who's going to win? Yeah, pretty easy. <laughs> Who's going to win in that fight? So, so my prediction is Pearson would throw a wild punch at Carnegie. Carnegie dodges, and as Pearson is thrown off balance from his wild punch, Carnegie just snaps his neck. Uh, Carnegie wins this fight. Now, just to be sure, I simulated this fight about 12,000 times on my computer, <laughs> and, the, and the, the computer predicted Carnegie winning the fight 11,980 times. Uh, the other 20, he he died of pneumonia. <laughs> Is that the... Uh, but... the... <laughs> <laughs> so, so I feel good about my, uh, about my analysis. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hanford my hat's off to you, Colin. Yeah. Hats off to you, Colin. Good, good job taking <laughs> that deadliest you. warriors computer out of there uh, before the studio yeah, shut they, down. Yeah, I just, I just sent them an email and they donated me <laughs> they the, just the program. So that's well, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I, again, Cody, I'm sorry, but it's it's a blowout episode so far. Colin had two good questions. He got the deadliest warrior computer somehow uh, and was able to go through these simulations. Like that's that's a lot of work uh, with that. So I'm gonna have to give the uh, I'm gonna give. Uh, Cody, I'm going to give you plus a million tallies, which should make you feel good, uh, but they're not worth anything. Uh, Colin, you get the point. So you, you get the point, oh, Colin, great. for this one. Um, great. Yeah. Oh. Big big time for Colin. And then uh, the last one is two points for the most convincing argument. Uh, which side's argument would most likely come true, basically is what we're asking here. Um, so the interesting thing about this one is that Cody's argument is just history at this point. It's just, he's just a serial killer. <laughs> um, only he has a delusion that he is helping people, which honestly, that's probably what uh, Jack the Ripper was already doing. Uh, and that's pretty sound argument to me. So that, this, that, that makes sense to me. That tracks and history does show that it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yep. So, so Colin's argument talks about uh, how, how the media wouldn't have gotten involved if there was a philanthropist there. So we wouldn't have had the actual like care and money uh, put into it, uh, which is kind of convincing. Uh, but I'm not sure. I still feel like like a, a, a journalist or something because you already had like a, a media attention in Whitechapel uh, from the property and that was happening there. And you already had the beginnings of that. But it did not become sensationalized until you did have Jack the Ripper. So maybe it would have been right. more of a time. But I think you would end up at the same conclusion. Yeah, I want to point out that when you were going over my section um, that you literally said that probably was true about my mere conjecture that he may have thought he was doing good for the world. So that <laughs> but, must be but, convincing if you have already rationalized in your mind. <laughs> you know, but also in fairness, this this is all about predicting what would happen yeah. if something changed. And I don't think Cody predicted anything. He analyzed uh, a story of history. Uh you, it's interesting that you say that, Colin, because you're not the fucking judge. I am. Cody, you get the point <laughs> for this one. You get the two points. That's two. Uh, for that's, two, that's two points. Two yeah, that's All two right. points. So uh, the end of the tally, let me throw this through our supercomputer right quick. The boop, 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 boop. <laughs> right, tallying out the points here. Colin, you win with three points. Cody, you have two points. So, Colin, congratulations. You are the first oh. winner of Once Upon Another Time. I, I am a little disappointed I didn't sweep the first fireside chat, but I will take the victory nonetheless. Take that, take the W. Um, so, Colin, so, what as the winner, you get to decide what we're going to talk about next week and who's going to host. Oh boy, oh boy, all right. 
All right. Well, I think next week what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a story from history that um, almost everybody listening will know at least a little bit of. But we're going to dive in deep to this to this man who could bend a horseshoe with one hand. And that man is Leonardo da Vinci. So stay tuned for next week for that episode. You're not going to want to miss it. Very exciting. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And if you want to show us that you appreciate us, go ahead and like us on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Pod O-U-A-T. That's Pod O-U-A-T. This has been a Milk Toast production. Goodbye. <laughs> bye. Bye. Ta-ta Good night, for now.